Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. All right, Seattle. Hey, uh, May is here. We survived Mount St. Helens' anniversary, and it's time for Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, event sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and the man of Manzanilla. I got a special guest today who's uh, one of my favorite folks. He knows a lot. He's uh, a concerto, maestro, piano player. I forget what they call it. It's been a while. I haven't seen you since we were on a, basically on a boat together uh, cruising around Spain, and that was such a treat. Um, I did such a great job. They loved it, but somehow... Yeah, we got the call back. Yeah, Steve Metzler is here. He's the founder and executive, uh, along with his lovely wife Almudena, uh, of Classical Wines. Um, previously, Classical Wines of Spain, but they are now broadening the horizon. And today is an important day because one of my well, I have lots of favorite wines in the world, but when uh, you need something that is uh, you, you got something to go with almonds and little anchovies and fried shrimps and things like that. There's one thing that fits the bill, especially with oysters. A lot of it, champagne, you can say, or vodka. But no, this is manzanilla. This is a fortified wine from the, the southern tip of Spain. Um, there is manzanilla and there is fino. And these are two distinct styles of fortified wines. One is known as sherry. That would be the fino sherry. The other is manzanilla. And uh, I'm going to let uh, our guest, Steve Metzler. Hey, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you, Christopher. You can help explain the nuances, the differences, uh, as I'm trying to remember my theory from four or five years ago about Sherry and Manzanilla. Uh, we're talking about uh, the country of Spain, which is a huge country. Is it the size of Texas or the size of Washington? It fits into Texas and touches all four corners. Yeah. Okay, so it's bigger than Washington. And uh, there's many, many different wine regions, all classical. You've got the, the Penedas region, which is known for their great sparkling wines, the Cavas. You've got uh, the Priorat and the Monsant region. You've got, the, uh, of course, the Rioja, the Ribeiro del Duero, and Galicia. And in between La Mancha and uh, so many more, Valdepusa and the... Oh, gosh. Come on. You can help me here. But we're going to talk about the South. And it's interesting in the South that you would have a wine where it's much, much more, uh, it's, it's hotter there with the weather, but you've got ocean breezes. And this is a really important part for this style of wine. So, uh, Steve Metz, let's talk about this fine region for uh, fortified wines. Right. Well, Manzanilla is the name of a, of a wine produced exclusively in the uh, seacoast town of San Lucar de Barameda which is technically one of the towns of the region of Jerez, which uh, anglicized becomes sherry. However, the, the wine that they make in St. Lucar is so special that they can only call it Manzanilla. <laughs> you cannot put the word sherry on the label. Uh, it, it is pale dry. It's the driest uh, and most appetizing wine produced in the world. Uh, it results from a very complicated aging system that they have called Solera. That is, uh, it's like a a stock of wine that is arranged in chronological layers, and they're const constantly adding the next youngest layer to the older layer as they withdraw the wine from the bottom. The name again is Solera. 
Now, what they found when they developed this system a few hundred years ago is that uh, a yeast that formed on the surface of the wine was constantly dying in the in barrels that were not refreshed because they would eat up all the food within the wine that they was consuming, and then it would have no no more sustenance and it would die. So when they started refreshing with younger wines, the yeast thrived. It lives on the surface of the wine and it actually does not consume sugar because the wine is already dry. What it's consuming is the, the glycerol and and volatile acids. So at the same time, the, the product is becoming uh, drier in the mouth and also softer at the same time. And, and plus, this is a years-long process that uh, that is keeping the wine pale and fresh uh, because the yeast is also consuming oxygen. So uh, the wine is pale and dry and it's picking up all of this richness, uh, softness, and uh, and then there's another factor and then and that is that the, the town of San Lucar is uh, on the west coast. The sea breezes are constantly washing over the, the wines uh, this is a process that can take, take three, five, ten years and more before the wines are bottled, and uh, they actually absorb the flavors of the sea. I love it. This is great. Uh, you are, of course, um, one of the foremost uh, Spanish wine experts here in our region, and it's great to have you uh, with your 37 years now of uh, in <laughs> of helping America understand the the treasures and gems of Spain. So, um, obviously, I don't know if our, our listeners know what a fortified wine is. I hope you do. You should. It's basically taking a dry wine and then adding alcohol to uh, either arrest the yeast um, arrest the fermentation process. And it doesn't have to be dry because port, of course, is a fortified wine and it's sweet. But in this case, the wines are all fermented dry with the exception of one, Pedro Jimenez, but that's not necessarily... Is that fortified? Uh, yes. Yeah. It's... it's uh, well, yeah, we that's just what we regard that as, as just a sweetening wine. Yes. So so th this is a special wine made out of raisins that is used for sweetening, but that's not part of this discussion. No, it's so, not. So this is called... So, this is all about the Palomino grape. It's it's Palomino grown on chalky white soils. Uh, Alberiza. Uh, uh, Alberiza, yeah. And, uh, and it's often compared to champagne. White grapes, uh, white soil, uh, aged many years in contact with the yeast, uh, used in... Uh, in all the same gastronomical circumstances, uh, great acidity. Well, the, it's actually very soft, very, very, uh, very soft, and the volatile acidity is being consumed by the yeast. So, so the uh, uh, it's probably the driest wine in the world that has such a low acidity. And uh, if you after after Manzanilla, when you taste a high acid dry white wine, uh, the what comes across is the grapey fruitiness of the of the white wine. the The process of producing a manzanilla produces wines that, where the the grape is is barely an essence. Everything about the wine is the complexity of the soil and the aging, and the absolute. And the autolysis from this this floor the, that the yeast is 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 there. You've got a kind of a pastry quality, but at the same time briny, because uh, the sea aromas and flavors are. Are permeating much like they uh, talk about the uh, Isla scotches, the smoky, peaty, and even salty scotches. It's a, it's, it's a very similar sort of thing, right? Where, where uh, even algal uh, oh, character. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this this uh, region of Hereth, and I think the Moors were there for a long, long time, and then Christianity came down and kicked them out, well, and they 
the the Moors invented distillation, and so the they've Olympic been still. they've been adding a little bit of alcohol to the wines of this area to fortify them to make them stabilize age longer uh, uh, for three thousand years, or at least two thousand. Uh, maybe not back to the Phoenicians, but certainly back to the Moors. I don't so, think Mohammed was so um, <laughs> so we're. Uh, it's and part of the that process is what uh, actually evolved this yeast strain that lives on alcohol and and not on primary sugars of grapes, uh, because they've been uh, it's been in this environment uh, for so long. So, so, um, but uh, we have three examples here today uh, to try, and uh, these we, are new or are these uh, long-lived uh, producers? No, uh, well, everything is from very old, centuries-old Solaris. Uh, the mm. the first wine is from a producer that was established in 1822, Saint Leon. Saint Leon, we call the Lion. Uh, and the next wine you'll see has a beautiful woman on the label, Aurora. We call her the Lady. So today we're trying the Lion and the Lady, and they're from two different parts of town. Saint Lucar has a high part of town and a low part of town. The Saint Leon is from the low part, the Barrio Bajo, and here you really get the, the strong. Abajo. The strong seaside aromas, what the, what sailors call the seashore, what land lovers call the beach, has this smell of basically decomposing uh, sea life. Sea life, uh, and uh, seaweed and yeah, yeah. Uh, little organisms and and the low part of town, that marine layer is sort of trapped behind what used to be the old riverbank. Mm. Now the next wine, yeah, you'll you you notice that, don't you? They're kind of like fresh seaweeds. And I um, love umami. I love Japanese cuisine. And I, and I don't know. I, you expose your kids to this stuff when they're very young, and they'll dig it if it's <laughs> you get it so late in life. When you're down on the beach or where you have uh, water, oh, wow, salt good. water in motion. I, I'm specifically thinking of when we take our guests across the spillway uh, to the fish ladder down at the locks. Right. Yeah. All that water. Mm. Uh, seawater uh, being churned up, and you get that smell. And I said, "Wow, that smells just like San Leon." <laughs> yes, and it's there's such complexity and depth of flavor, uh, character, expression. This is like uh, having um, uh, fried shrimps and uh, olives and preserved lemons to some extent. Um, the acid is not as high as I thought. I think Fino reminds takes me to that really higher acidity there's, part. There's a lot of mis misconception uh, because. The sherry category in general is subject to a lot of manipulation uh, by the large companies, and so and so. But when you taste an authentic product, you don't. Nothing sticks out. It's balanced. It's, it's totally soft. balanced. So, so. Um, and this is the San Leon. So, you said this is from a ten-year-old Solera. Uh, this well, th this is oh eighteen twenty-two. Yeah, the 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 average age. We have to speak of sure, average yes. age. So so in this case, it's not a young. It's much older than what they're what the minimum that is required, which is two to three years. So this is closer to eight. eight. So when we talk about Slayer, folks, it's it's a fractionalized system of blending. So it's basically an inverted pyramid where the point is on the bottom, and we have all basically we we take out half the the wine from that one barrel on the bottom, then we take out. Yeah, or a quarter as, of the as wine. As little as possible. As little as possible, yeah. And so it's basically 10%, I think, is it, isn't as it? As little as possible and as frequently as possible. Right. So. And so mm -hmm. basically every bottle has a bit of that original wine in there mm -hmm. from however long the slayer was In this was case, created. from 1822. 1822. Or, yeah. uh, but yet you see it's a fresh mm. white wine. 
This um, is such a treat. I, you know, if you if you're into uh, fine white wine, if you're into white burgundy, if you're into champagne, this obviously doesn't have any bubbles. Maybe that's on the horizon. <laughs> um, but this is this has got all the terroir, the complexity, um, the uh, ethereal, the elegance, and just the texture of of fine wine. And it's crazy to think. Um, a little goes a long way, and which is is really a hallmark of, of many great wines. Just a little flavor stays in your mouth, and this is certainly one of them. San Leon, uh, is this available around town? Yes, absolutely. Well, I mean, how widely is the other question? But uh, but it's something that can be uh, can be found. Yeah, ask, and so. it's uh, really San Leon. So it's this means the lion or Saint the, Lion or was it's it? well the founder was Leon de Argüello in 1822. So. The wine is San Leon, and uh, Leon means lion. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have we have coined the term lion to contrast with the next wine you're going I to like taste, it. who is the most beautiful lady you'll ever see on a label of wine. I agree. It's, Aurora. Uh, it's uh, definitely in that uh, Renaissance period. Um, I, I love it. Uh, this is are all served in 500 mils, or these 375s? We have 500s because yeah. uh, it's it's important to uh, to sell through the wine, keep it fresh, and we prefer one size, so rather than too small or too big, right in the middle. Right in the middle, and I, you know, it's like sake. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it goes down um, deliciously easy, and it's just something so yummy, you want more of it. So you have two more, the Aurora Manzanilla. Try and, Aurora. The okay. lady on the label is uh, a famous lady from the early part of the 20th century named okay. Aurora Hold that thought. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're going to tell our guests, uh, our listeners, what's going to happen. Because, you know, I, w- I still want to make sure that... So these are all made from a white grape, the Palomino grape. That's and, right. And they, they, um, the process is they vinify it to dryness. Absolutely dry. And yep. then they add um, espumo... No, that's uh, agua... No, that's port. Well, yeah, it's uh, st- distilled grape spirit uh-huh. uh, and... Uh, uh, the the ideal alcohol level is around 15. The the wines themselves might be 13. They're bumped up to 15, and that's when uh, the floor yeast finds its its proper level. I love so. it. Well, I'm going to find my proper level on this next glass. Hey, folks, I've got Steve Metzer uh, with Classical Wines. Uh, he's sharing some of the most beautiful wines in the world. These are Manzanillas, fortified wines from the uh, south of Spain. Stick around. We'll be right back with more of this fantastic beverage on 570 KBI. Big names, big news. Sean Hannity, weekdays 3 to 6 p.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Time for round two, and I'm lucky to have two glasses in front of me filled with uh, an ambrosia from the south of Spain. This is called Manzanilla, and this is a fortified wine, much like its counterpart, uh, Sherry, Fino Sherry, but different. And I have Steve Metzler here, who's the importer and uh, the country's first importer of Spanish wine in general. We're for, uh, very fortunate to have him in the Seattle area for the last 37 years now. Uh, glad you're here. And I love Sherry. I know when we were there, I just had the best time. Of course, it's warm, and it's just about uh, tipple and, and tapas. And I could uh, really enjoy that style. But the 
Sal Neon, you poured me. Um, this is from the uh, one of the two regions, the Barrio Baja. Apparently, it's about an average age of eight years old. It's it's delicious wine. It has complexity. It has a good long yeast flavor, and it's really smooth and um, round in the mouth. And now, well, that's from the low part of town. Yes, the low right, part, which accentuates the sea flavors, the algal flavors, seaweed. Uh, now we move to the upper part of town, the Barrio Alto. Uh, which is on top of the old riverbank, and there's you can throw a rock from one place to the other, but at the on the upper part of the of town, the wines are richer, they're broader in the mouth, and without quite that bitter uh, seaweed character, but 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 with more weight and creaminess to uh, to back it up, and uh, and so they are the what we call the two faces of of Manzanilla, uh, distinctly <clears throat> different. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's it's quite the foil. I think it's great because they're both like great white. I'll call them great white burgundies because mm-hmm. champagne can be a little too austere. But you have the texture, and one is one's like a merceau with a little more richness, and the other is like a um, puni marche, which has mm-hmm. got some structure, but uh, a, a little less um, round. And and this second one, the Aurora Manzanilla, with the lovely lady. You were telling me before we went to break, who's right. that lovely lady? She is. Uh, she was a, a widow. She uh, she took over for her husband and became the president of the company, one of the first female executives in Spain, and certainly the first one in the Sherry region. So, if for those of your listeners that know champagne, Madame Clicquot, Clicquot. Here we have the equivalent for the Sherry region. Uh, Aurora Lacave was her name. Lacave, yeah. huh? Wow. That's her on the label mm-hmm. as a young mother before she was widowed. She's got to be eighteen. Yeah, she's beautiful. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, she was the president, and she uh, contracted some beautiful uh, poster art in the early twentieth century that we're using on the rest of the line. Oh, so how fun! Probably the most spectacularly packaged. Yeah, uh, sherry range. Because that looks there, like so. something out of uh, mm-hmm. a, a Renaissance painting, whether Monet or. It's probably more Raphael, perhaps. Um, I don't know. I've, I've been to the Louvre, and I still get confused. But it's wow, good art. Uh, it is great art, and it's very um, appropriate because this wine has elegance, but there's I think there's more depth to this wine. More, more voluptuous. Voluptuous, like. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's definitely, and you know, for whatever reason, the alcohol seems a little higher. It just warms my belly, or maybe it was so good I took a big sip. <laughs> <laughs> well, the wines are warming up just slightly, mm. so. Mm. So they're they're the same. This is totally unfiltered, also for so that it's retained. Now this is the wine uh, that we're bringing in in disposable kegs. Ah, so this so, is the reason we're drinking sherry not only because I love it, not only because I think everyone should be loving it and investigating because it's quite delicious. But there is a new a, a new style of of enjoying beverages in our world, and we're catching up to the kegs. It's all about volume, no oxygen. We're preparing this tap system now allows us to 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 not have a corked wine for one and also to have wine last for 30 days because it's not seeing any uh, oxygen or uh, you know getting free radicals so this is becoming available where this is like a brand new this is the debut of sherry in a keg or well, first of all this the disposable keg technology is just just happening now it's a company in in Holland called key keg so so yes. we're, we're getting these uh, now that uh, can be filled in small quantity by hand directly at the source and uh, and brought over as you need it well i yeah, remember the, so. they had the coors light party ball 
<laughs> That's kind of a pack and box yeah. deal. Um, but this is definitely much more delicious. Uh, and so this comes from a different region. The soil is similarly the same. It's it's the Albariza still. Or do you have a little more? Uh, no, it's schist? all white soil. Yeah, it's all, all white soil. All white soil. I remember when I was there, I picked up a rock and mm-hmm. I have it on my counter that was, was pure white, and I'm pretty sure it was Albariza. Um, There's uh, a slight <clears throat> difference in the, in the vineyards chosen for these two wines, but the primary difference is where it's aged. It's and it's only a matter of meters up mm. up on top of the old river bank Airflow. or down at the. At the sea level, so when it comes to a bottle so. of sherry, let's share people with people. They want to buy a bottle of sherry. Uh, how long does it last? And do you, what temperature do you serve it? And what's the best way to serve it? Well, we're drinking white wine here. Yes, and so uh, I think people know what to do with white wine. You keep it in the refrigerator, right? So, and you drink it chilled. Uh, sometimes a little too cold, but that's okay because it can warm up in the Especially glass. Especially when it's nice and warm so, outside. Yeah. Someday. And uh, and you can literally drink this with anything. It is the world's driest beverage, outside of maybe a dry martini. And uh, and <laughs> well, that's uh, it, alcohol could taste sweet. It goes beautiful with uh, with a wide range of foods. In fact, in San Lucar they say manzanilla riega todo. It waters everything. Yeah. So uh, I can see this with <laughs> chicken, with pork, with even uh, artichokes, if you can believe that. So <laughs> yeah, I could. I think this is so. you know artichokes have a very mild flavor that turns green if you're fighting fruit, and we're we're not necessarily fighting a lot of fruit here. We're it's, just enjoying this uh, texture, this it's, it's the grapes carrying everything about their environment. Uh, without the fruit getting in the way. It's, mm. it's the vehicle. It's the vehicle. So, uh, again, a bottle of the 500 milliliter, which is, uh, well, that's actually 10 of those little bottles. <laughs> those are 50 milliliter bottles, and the airplane bottles are 50 milliliters. So a 500 milliliter is 10 of those. And um, how long does it last in the bottle? Well, we like to sell it within a year of bottling. Okay. Even less, if possible. Is there a, a mark uh, or a bottle well, date? Well, uh, we... We keep in control of that because it's in the it's in the in importer's the interest to have have it as fresh as possible. If it's not as fresh, people are going to say, "Well, it's not as exciting as Christopher told me." <laughs> so, uh, so then, uh, but so we want to make sure it is. So that's that's on us. And of course, there are lot numbers that tell us uh, at all times uh, controlling inventories. So that helps. Uh, and then once it's open in the refrigerator. Um, it lasts longer than many people might think, uh, but I would say just just as your Chardonnay, once it's open, you know, it's probably better the first day than the second day, and better the second than the third. But it's not that it becomes terrible, so so it's uh, it's not that. Uh, yeah, it's a life a, cycle. It's so. like uh, a flower. It's beautiful. Yeah. Then you recognize that it's um, it's it's showing you its best, and then the next best. And all right, the final uh, wine you've uh, selected. I guess we should say that that keg. We've got one. <laughs> A very outstanding and and uh, adventurous company here in Seattle, known nationwide for their shellfish, Taylor Shellfish. Their their oyster bar on Queen Anne is tapping a keg, I think, this very evening. So God, where is so, it on Queen Anne? Oh yeah, right that's near right. The center there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so. uh, right across uh, on that new building. It's called Eight 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 or something or something like that. Uh, fantastic oysters are are pretty good. You know, mostly nine months, maybe ten months out of the year here in Washington because we have cold, deep waters. Whether they come from Canada or um, around the Puget Sound. So the third. Uh, expression of manzanilla is what? Here we have the best of both worlds, the high part of town and the low part of town. It's called La Quica. It's uh, it's a very special Solera that was established in the early 19th century. Some very famous uh, wines have been produced from this location, but the owner of Aurora, 
Francisco Yuste. Uh, this is where he lives. It's his home, and he has 117 butts, botas, uh, of, <laughs> say of <children>. Manzanilla. <laughs> and this is uh, this is bottled by hand, on order. Uh, it's named after his mother, Caridad, Charity. It's 12 years old, and yet it's fresh as a daisy. Uh, it's just so beautifully managed. Uh, all you've got from those 12 years mm. is increased complexity and intensity, but with all the freshness you can imagine. I so. mean, I'm, I'm getting uh, roasted hazelnut and toasted mm -hmm. almond and hints of um, you know burnt popcorn in a good way. Um, there's a nuttiness, uh, and there's a slight... It almost reminds me of diacetyl. It reminds me of a little bit of butter in there mm -hmm. because I think that's the creaminess from the lees. Absolutely. No, it's... And there's some salt in here, which I think, too, gives me this... This wine starts in the high part of town and finishes in the low part of town. So it has the voluptuousness, we've said, in the aurora. And then on top of that, you have the development of the, uh, of the, the saltier seaside character that we had in the first wine, the San Leon. Yes, this, so. is, this is really a big wine, and mm. it's quite impressive. What are the prices for some of the San Leon, the Aurora, and uh, was it Il Kika? La Kika. La Kika. La Kika. Yeah. And it comes in a fantastic bottle, by the way. With, uh, yes, that's an olive oil bottle. It is, seen yes, one. yes. So, so the um, voluptuous, wouldn't you say? So. I, I <laughs> am. I'm taken back, but I'm slowing so. down on this one. Pricing? So on the half liters, the 500 milliliters of San Leon and Aurora, we're talking about $18. Great. And then the La Quica is very special, bottled by hand, and that's a half bottle. Yeah, I noticed for, there's a little for, more slender. For right around 30 Okay. And that tells you the day it was taken right out of the barrel and put in the bottle directly uh, in a little medallion on the back. And the Aurora? Uh, also 18. Okay. 18 and San Leon. What a deal. So yeah. maybe McCarthy and Shearing, Esquin, yeah. and or uh, De Laurentiis or something like that? Those are the uh, would be the archetypical places. Awesome. Yeah. So website, Steve? Classicalwines.com. Awesome. This has been such a treat. Thanks so much for sharing these fantastic fortified wines, the Manzanilla, and for uh, joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you, Christopher. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Hey, folks, you got to try Sherry. Really, this is your year. You did rosé. You're in it. Um, stay tuned. We'll have more great fun on Happy Hour Radio. He's back, and he's in charge. Kirby Wilbur, live and local weekdays, 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Time for round three. I hope you got something tasting that glass. And uh, I actually uh, had a good time speaking with Steve Metzler and uh, tasting Manthania. Well, it's not sherry. It's a fortified wine. <laughs> but it's Manthania. And uh, this is the summer where you need to be drinking some of that wonderful wine from Jorez, Spain. Uh, it's Fino or Manthania or Pelo Cortado. Um, all good stuff. I love cooking with it. And it's very refreshing. Um, so is actually diving into a book. And I've got a, a friend here, uh, Larry Snyder. He's an auctioneer, an author, and an adventurer. And he wrote a book called Miracles in Montanare. And it's uh, 10yearsintuscany.com is his website. So, hey, Larry Snyder, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you, Christopher. I'm really grateful to spend some time with you here today. Thank you very much. Um, so excited. Uh, I love 
movies. Um, I probably don't read enough. I read so much in school that I kind of gave it up unless it re- revolves around wine and food and history. <laughs> so that leaves yeah. a lot of reading left to do. And uh, you went off on this miracle, uh, well, I shouldn't say a miracle, but uh, you went to Italy and you found a passion. Uh, let's talk about that. Sure. I went to Italy in 1995 to go to school in Rome and to study Roman architecture and history, and from that made an in- a incredible number of friends wanted to keep going back and um, that afforded me the opportunity the education to then go back again in 1997 go to film school in Florence and uh, become a photographer and that then created Photo Italiana and Photo Italiana has been um, uh, probably the best blessing in my life because it's helped me fund uh, annual travel I'm lucky enough to be making my 20th trip to Italy here in about five weeks. Wow, so you actually took photos of Italian countryside, Italian life, and then created a website where you could sell those images? Photo Italiana was a stock and is a stock photo company that provides, uh, that, and I sell those images uh, both uh, retail and also online, to um, anybody that needs to use images that are completely endemic of Italy. So people, wine, food, landscape, Cars, motorcycles, churches, churches. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, one of my favorite images happens to be a, a picture of a rosary on a statue uh, where Saint Francis lived before he went to Assisi and died, which is uh, in just outside of Cortona, where the movie Under the Tuscan Sun was shot. So, and, I got and that actually, one. that uh, that particular photo is in my book as well. Oh, so. right on. Well, um, that's pretty exciting. I think when you're a young person traveling to Europe for the first time and, and, and sort of uh, immersing yourself in the traditions and the culture, the people, and of course the food and the wine, especially when it comes to Europe, Italy and Spain and France, of course, um, it's easy to fall in love. Did you fall in love on your journey? Uh, well, over there? I, I fell in love with a lot of people, to be honest with you, and those friendships are really what draws us back each year. Jill and I met uh, 10 years in Tuscany is actually this, a little bit of the story of our relationship, but it's also the the miracle that is our daughter who was conceived there after Jill and I had uh, lived there for a year during a sabbatical. And um, so I really have fallen in love with a community of people, and, and lucky for us, they uh, they feel the same way about uh, Jill, Daniela, and I. Daniela is 11 and a half now. She's, uh, again, been fortunate enough to, to travel now about a dozen times to uh, Italy. And what keeps drawing <laughs> us back, though, again, are, are this set of friendships that mean the world to us. These, these groups of people are as close to us as our family is. It's really exciting. So you, you actually are um, documenting your 10 years of a relationship, falling in love and uh, the birth of a child. But also, you want this book to be um, a an invitation to actually immerse yourself, to immerse, sit in that comfortable chair wherever you are and, and find yourself underneath the lovely cypress trees or olive trees mm-hmm. and feel the breeze and a little bit of the, the Italian accent and taste the food. This is your, your goal for this book, right? I want all of us to live the life that, that we've imagined, and that is what's happened here. Is I, I've written the story as if you and I were sitting next to each other at the long table under the olive tree sharing a uh, not only a glass of wine but some great food made of local ingredients and not really worrying about what time it is, what day it is, or where we need to be anytime soon, just really allowing ourselves to connect again 
under this olive tree at this wonderful table with 15 or 20 of your uh, new friends. I'm wondering if it's possible these days, outside of a book, to actually turn off because there's so many things now, the things that are making our life easier um, and, and just the, the uh, abundance of news and new sources and electronic devices and beeps and, and everything is instant that even though it's instant, it doesn't often uh, provide that satisfaction that we want. And actually, when you want to find something meaningful and powerful in your life, it takes time to invest in that, doesn't it? It takes time to invest in it, but it's also a conscious effort. And I think the most important thing that we've learned in Italy, especially that we try to transfer back to our lives here, is that time is is finite. And we've found that um, time here is going by way too fast, but it's the <laughs> same time that we spend over in Italy. It's 24 hours, same 24 hours in a day, but we use it differently there, and it feeds us. It allows us to really uh, not only relax, but we can kind of feel the tension in our shoulders go down, and it's, a, it's really a fabulous experience to be able to have a conversation that lasts more than 30 seconds. And even though it's in another language, and that's part of why it takes longer, um, that just being able to really understand uh, the presence of where we are and, and the people who we're with. Well, there's some international languages, of course, the, the language of food and yes. friendship and wine, of course, or cocktails and beer for that sure. matter. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit of uh, an excerpt here, which is uh, is on the back cover of uh, Miracles in Montanare, speaking with Larry Snyder, who's the auctioneer and author of Ten Years in Tuscany. It's a book. Um, it says... Picture a tiny village, the smallest place you've ever been, a place halfway around the world, Tuscany, inhabited by families whose roots run a dozen generations deep. You'll pull up stakes, quit your job, and move to that ancient place for a year. No one speaks your language, and you don't speak theirs. Now imagine that despite the language barrier, these people have become your dearest friends, an extension of your own family that you return to year after year. Um, have you an extended family that you've taken back to Italy? Yeah, in fact, uh, almost always we have a small group of people that go with us each year, and I do a little food and wine tour while I'm there for a week. This year we have six guests going with us, so they spend the first week that we're there, and then uh, they go away, and my family <laughs> and I have a vacation, um, and, and it really... Uh, every time uh, we have someone that comes with us, they they never, ever stop talking about the village of Montanare. But the number one memory for them are the relationships, the people that they couldn't even communicate with when they first got there. But somehow they fell in love with them in one week. And uh, it's a beautiful thing to watch happen because we're already there. We're already in love with them. And our friends over there treat uh, the guests that we bring as if they um, are, are members of our family. Well, that's wonderful. Yep. Uh, great hospitality mm -hmm. and being, being feel, feeling welcome within a, a strange place, yep. obviously. Tell me about a, a meal that would be um, classic for sure. your under the tree on this long table. Sure. Uh, one of the meals that we, well, we love all the meals, but one thing that um, is really evident in Italy is regional cooking. And regional cooking is because the, they cooked with what was available to them. And so one of the, the very specific pasta recipes that comes from that area is called um, pene il fumo, and fumo is the word for smoke. And so they take um, uh, whole tomatoes from the garden, they cook them, the skin falls off, and then they run them through uh, basically, a, we'll call it a colander. Mm -hmm. So you end up take with a... seeds. Exactly. And so you, you end up uh, with this uh, wonderful uh, pure tomato... Uh, concoction at the bottom of that and then they blend that 
And um, in another pan, they cook pancetta with olive oil, a little bit of garlic, and two or three giant pieces of rosemary. And uh, then they take that, and um, they actually puree that with um, mascarpone. Mm. Okay? So that sauce is now set aside, and uh, the... um, the pancetta has been ground into little bits as well. So between the the rosemary and the pancetta, which is smoked, and the tomatoes, that does give a unique flavor that is poured over uh, penne. So between that and uh, like uh, we'll call it bisteca, which would be a steak, steak. and um, and uh, pomodori. So they call it many different things. Some know it as bruschetta. To bruschetta, pasta, bisteca, potato, rosmarino, which is cooked in a wood outdoor oven with uh, fennel. And uh, then usually tiramisu for dessert uh, (laughs) with three or four different kinds of wine, including Chianti, Vino Nobila, and Brunello. And, of course, we always finish the meal with... Um, a digestive? A digestivo, yeah. And that could be anything from limoncello Uh to borshi. Uh, to uh, the all-time favorite, Grappa. Grappa. <laughs> so fun. Uh, speaking with Larry Snyder, an auctioneer and uh, author of Miracles in Montanare. It's uh, 10 years in Tuscany. Um, counts, recounts the uh, the stories of his uh, passion, falling in love with Italy, his uh, newfound love in the, in, embodied in his wife, Jill, or partner Jill, and, of course, their new daughter, Daniela, who was born 11 years ago. Hey, when we come back from this break, we're going to wrap it up with Larry Snyder. Talk about uh, how you can get involved with uh, reading the book and perhaps taking a trip to Italy. So stick around, folks. Be right back on Happy Hour Radio. Start your day the right way. John Carlson, live and local, 6 to 10 a.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Time for our fourth and final segment. So uh, fill up that glass one more time and sit back and enjoy the luxuries and the, uh, well, the dream that is living in Tuscany. Ten years in Tuscany, Miracles in Montanare by Larry Snyder. He's here in studio. We're talking about, uh, well, just relaxing and, and enjoying life in Italy, la, la Dolce Vita, which is really difficult. I think in the United States, and I've traveled abroad um, to many, many countries. <laughs> Sound like Trump for a second, uh, but it's it's hard. I think there's a lot of guilt here for us to achieve and be successful and to be champions and to be winners and and to go go go. And at the end of it, the, there's not a lot there. More taxes. You worked off. You lost a year because you worked so hard. You might have more resources, but you need to slow down to really enjoy life. Their priorities are completely different than ours. Number one is family. Uh, number two is faith. And right really at the bottom is their work. Their work is really a uh, a 20% of their life. It's not 80% or 90% of their life. And so we had to get used to that. Um, and what it took to get used to that was just to acknowledge, first of all, that uh, money is just not a priority. They, they earn enough 
to keep their life going the way that it is. They know that at the end of their career, they're going to be taken care of healthcare-wise, and that really they, they don't have a need or desire to create a giant pile of money. They need enough to be comfortable. But for the most part, everything that people need that live in Montanare is right in front of them. They have they all everyone has a beautiful organic garden. There's a vineyard behind <laughs> it's them. It's beautiful too. <laughs> right. Well, it's it's beautiful and the and the food tastes beautiful because of of again the care that they put into it. But again, it's it's really an acknowledgement that what their priorities are. And how do we find a, a center of the universe, which is the Garden of Eden, that Garden of Eden be Montanare? Where is it? Montanare is in the very eastern part of Tuscany, and so if you find Cortona on a map, you will find uh, Montanare, maybe. Uh, there's only 200 people in Montanare, so it's a very small place. And the only reason why even Italians know where it is is because there's a post office there. And <laughs> I'm serious. That's the only reason why anyone would know that Montanare exists is because there's a post office there where they pay their light bill or their cell phone right, bill or whatever, right. so things are done differently there. But uh, it, uh, it it's a beautiful uh, spot, and we're so lucky to have found this wonderful community of people. It's flying to Milano and then uh, traips down? or We fly into Rome, Seattle, Amsterdam, Rome, Ooh. and then we take uh, a car from there because usually I need to have a little bit bigger car for the first week, and then I oh, go right. back to Rome and pick up a smaller car, but that's a different story for another day. And um, you can fly into Florence. It's about an hour and a half south of Florence. And about two hours north of Rome? Uh, it's about uh, two hours the way Italians drive, about three hours the <laughs> way I drive. So, Well, if uh, you don't want to go through TSA, you can immerse yourself in uh, the luxury that is living through you from this book, yes. Miracles in Montanare. How do you find it? 10yearsintuscany.com or Amazon.com. If you order it off of our website, I will be sure and uh, autograph the book for you and, and mail it directly to you. Uh, if you want to do that for a guest, we have a lot of um, uh, friends that have bought them and just uh, sent me an email and said, please sign it to this person and mail it to that person as a gift. Tenyearsintuscany.com. And I like how you uh, titled the chapters. It's really about a year. Oh, uh, it, it is because and the thing, other thing is unique about this book is it's not in chronological order. So it's the, a collection of our very favorite stories. We want the reader to open any page and jump in. There's no character development. It's what <laughs> happened on that day at that time on that space. And but I thought all good things take time to simmer and flavor out. <laughs> only Vin, only Vinsanto. Vinsanto, <laughs> which is uh, a wonderful dessert one. And I think they're working to sort of take that name back. Um, Larry Snyder, uh, you're an auctioneer. You do auctions around. Mm -hmm. uh, what's an auction coming up in June for you? Actually, I have one this Saturday for the Boys and Girls Club that I'm very excited about. And... Um, and then we have, uh, boy, you know, there's there's a whole slate of them coming up between now uh, and... So your uh, weekends are full. My weekends are full. My weeks are full. It's two to three events a week. Yeah. Uh, I work in four states, and so I'm either Seattle, San Francisco, Portland, or Los Angeles. All right. I've been told that I need to become an auctioneer because I have a little different style, but uh, yeah. one of these days I'll go test it out. Hey, Larry Snyder, uh, yeah. thanks so much for sharing this great book, Murals in Montanari. Thank you, Christopher, very much. Appreciate it. Uh, hey, folks, if you want to learn more about the world of wine, beer, spirits, cocktails, and just good food, then you should check out Psalm Summit. It's coming up July 9th, 10th, and 11th. It's over at the South Seattle College campus. It's uh, two and a half days of uh, advanced level curriculum. Um, this is really a great opportunity for tasting room staff, 
staff or for enthusiasts or or for just wine collectors or if you're in the trade you're a winemaker you should really check this out because this is the world of wine descending upon us in Seattle uh, we have the wines of Napa we've got uh, the wines of Spain we have uh, uh, wines of um, France the Madoc uh, mm. which is huge and we've got BC wines we've got um, Remy Cognac and uh, wines from Portugal so SomSummit.com July 9th 10th and 11th uh, invite you to check it out I will be there I'm producing the event and it's going to be a lot a lot of fun we also have a trade tasting each night uh, so find, look for tickets on Eventbrite and uh, I'll look forward to seeing you here next week uh, every Saturday night 6 to 7 on Happy Hour Radio remember folks life's always better with a designated driver cheers cheers